This is Business Dad. How does the man who called the president our liar-in-chief at the annual White House Correspondents' Dinner rein in his tongue around his one-year-old daughter? On this episode, Alexis Ohanian speaks with comedian Hassan Minhaj. Hassan is the star of the Netflix series The Patriot Act with Hassan Minhaj, for which he recently won his second Peabody Award. He first came to prominence during four years as the senior correspondent on The Daily Show and later won his first Peabody Award for his stand-up special, Homecoming King. Hassan lives with his wife and daughter in New York City. Business Dad is brought to you by Initialized. Initialized helps founders build startups and avoid the thousands of landmines that can cause failure. Visit Initialize.com to find out more. I mean, this is basically it. This is it, right? This is the show. Dude, I got to take a page from that. Because, like, for me, it just keeps rolling. That's like, we're going to do this. Mm. It's going to go to rewrite. We're going to rewrite this thing for a long time. You saw the jokes that were working, that weren't working, that were like, all right, all right. Your conclusion was bye-bye. Yeah. And so... No conclusion. All right, let's go. Boom. Yeah. And so that's what's going to get worked on tonight. Tonight, all night, and then tomorrow... Until 6 p.m., yes. And are you going to be reworking that while you're having breakfast tomorrow morning? No, that I'm actually pretty good about where I'm, I, once I get to the office, then, okay. all right, it's, it's go time. Because that, and this is the reason the podcast exists, is because I was back doing press after my daughter was born for months, for my VC firm, for just regular stuff. Yeah. And it was months before someone asked me, hey, Alexis, how are you balancing it all, yeah. being a new father and your career? And I knew in that moment, had I been a woman... I'd have been asked that question day a one. A million times. Yeah. And a million times thereafter. Yeah. And so we never, as fathers, get asked this. And so I thought, damn, that is a good question. I am struggling with it. Uh-huh. And then I just started talking to more and more fathers about it. And it was an interesting conversation. And so here we are. How have you found settling into this? Because you you have a daughter who's Tough, how old? Man. She's 20 months, man. That's My daughter's still 20 months. Yeah. So mine's only just a few months older. Yeah, so it's man. it's like exciting because there's 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 a lot a lot of new features. Yeah. Right. There is a constant surprise. And do you feel like you've adjusted to dad life now? Yeah, man. It, it's one of those things where you know they're like, well, as soon as she was born, I knew everything was different. It wasn't like that for me. It was like, all right, a few months in, then I really realized the relentless nature of parenting. Mm. It doesn't stop. The game does not end. Like, we keep her alive Monday, yeah. it starts again Tuesday, and Wednesday and Thursday. There's no playoffs, there's no finals, there's no offseason. It's like... And it the is, game changes. Yeah, and the game keeps changing and evolving. Um, and for me as a dad, the biggest thing I struggled with was, like, this feeling, especially with comedy, trying to make a joke stronger, trying to, trying to manipulate and change things and make things tighter. There was this feeling of no winning. I can't win. I, I feel like I, I'm not winning this thing. Surviving is winning. Yeah. You know? That's and a different feeling, especially when you're used to yeah. seeing success and progress. Yeah. Am I doing this right? Yeah. Am I, you know what I mean? So I'm going through stuff professionally. Got to compartmentalize that. Then I'm at home. Me and my wife, we have this new situation. She just gave birth. That's very new and raw and real for her. Yep. I'm a dad. You know, between her, the baby, and the boob, they got this bond. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, where am I in all of this, yeah. right? So that became yeah. a new thing of, okay, I'm here, but I'm kind of, what am I doing here? You know, Mike Birbiglia calls it in his new show, like, I'm the family intern. Like, anyone want coffee? Anyone need anything? You guys good? Yeah. yeah. So that was the toughest part of just getting used to that. Have you found things that have already become either, like, routine or tradition yeah. or, like, give me a So my wife 
forced my hand on that. Uh-huh. And she really was like, you know, I'm the the type of dude where, again, like, you know, you're catching me right after rehearsal. I'm thinking about all the stuff of where we need to take this headline to where it needs to be by tomorrow. Mm-hmm. I'm the type of dude if like left to my own devices and left to my own left to myself, I will just run it. I will run myself into the ground until it gets right mm-hmm. and until we have to tape it tomorrow at 6 p.m. Mm-hmm. Um, but Bina's the one who told me, you have to set time with her every day mm-hmm. to A, develop that bond, and B, if you don't, you're going to regret it. Mm-hmm. So from 6.30 to 8.30 every day, it's our time before I come to the office. So All she gets right. up at First 6.30, thing, yep. and so I'm, you know, I was the one. I'll unswaddle her. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I love the victory pose. <laughs> yes. Yep. I'll do that, and... I remember having that initial pushback, like, come on, are you serious mm. every day? And now it's one of the best things that's ever happened to me mm. because it's been this stabilizing force, mm-hmm. um, especially in a life that's very this. You know, show business and just the game of life is this. And to have that thing that grounds you. Well, I've heard these stories about people who've worked 30, 40 years, and then they end up saying, man, you know the most important thing to me? family. I didn't spend enough time with family. Mm-hmm. I should have allocated more time to that. And Bina making me realize that now is one of those things where I'm like, man, I may lose an episode or two. I may lose the show. I may lose my career, but I have this. Yeah. And nobody can take that away from me. And I'm just glad I invested in it now. Yeah. But that wasn't me. You married well. Yeah, that was like being a 100%. Yeah. And, and this happened at, a, at such a crucial time, too, because yeah. the show... Patriot Act is a big deal. Yeah. I'm a huge fan. Thank you, man. They're you've been a huge supporter for a long time. I really appreciate you've, it. You've taught me so many things on the show. I'm literally looking for, I wasn't kidding, I'm literally looking for uh, an affordable insulin company to invest in yeah, just because you. of the show. Yeah. Uh, and you've also just done, you've done a great job taking things that are are esoteric. so complex yeah. and esoteric, yeah. but, but yeah. making them yeah. so delightful to to enjoy uh-huh. but like so your career at least from an outsider's perspective is is taking off yes. and i suspect there are lots of opportunities and lots of things or lots of just other things on your mind that are not your wife and daughter yeah. and so it's such an important time and also i'm sure such a stressful time yeah. to have to decide what kind of husband what kind of father you want to be yeah. were there things from your own experience growing up um, that have helped inform this mindset, right? Because you're the son of um, immigrant immigrants. parents, yep. mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Uh, Muslims from India. Correct. Like, are there lessons learned? Are there things that you're now trying to be as a father yeah. uh, based on that experience? Well, for my parents, you know, providing and surviving was like the main priority. Mm-hmm. My, my, my pops came in 1982. I was born in 85. Uh, mom came from India. Had You know, we, it, was a, it was a journey, us, us getting here, us setting up our family. And for... My parents, surviving was the win. Assimilation was the win. Come to this country and assimilate. And I feel both me and my sister being authentically who we want to be, authenticity is the win. Mm -hmm. You know, to not have to compromise. My parents compromised a lot of things. They sacrificed a lot to be here. Yeah. You know? And for me, the biggest thing that I've wanted to do is live a life that's just unapologetic, that I say what I want to do, I do what I want to do, that to me is the American dream. And mom and dad fought for me to have that. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't hedge on my dreams. I don't hedge on a joke. I don't hedge on things. Mm-hmm. I just go for it and I swing. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong. But mom, dad, you guys survived so I could live. This is living. Yeah. Living and dying on these jokes and on these swings, that matters to me. It's, it's one of the most important things I do on the show. 
But one of the things that my parents also had to sacrifice was quality time with me. Like a lot of that. You know, even though you're in the same house with each other, the idea of like kissing your kids a lot, telling them you love them, telling them that you're proud of them, telling them that they're enough. You, and you make jokes about this. Yeah. You, you, this is a totally. big part of the experience. And for so many uh, first-generation kids, like it is, it, it's got to be an interesting perspective because now you are a father, you have a family, yeah. and it's not about survival in the same way that it was for your parents. Yeah. So how does that play into, I mean, they, I, I, I have no doubt that they're proud of you, but how does that play into you wanting to do right by them as a son and also do right as a husband and also do right as a father? How does that tension play out as you're thinking about what kind of what kind of dad you want to be? There's now more buckets, like grandma and grandpa want to spend time. Yeah. and There's just a lot more chess, emotional chess moves at play. Yeah. They want to spend time. Mother-in-law and father-in-law want to spend time. Mm-hmm. We want to spend time as a nuclear family. Mm-hmm. It's just a lot. You know, it's, it's all these new um, dynamics that, I'm going to be honest, man. I don't have perspective on it yet. I feel like I'm You're in, in the middle of it all. Yeah, man. And that's the thing that sometimes I think about. Like, I wish I had more wisdom. There's a lot of things in life that you can just work at and you'll get. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I can write better jokes. I can be a better performer. I can do this more. I can learn these certain techniques. Wisdom is a thing that you just get with time. You can't shortcut it. Mm-hmm. And those are the things that I'm like, am I doing this right? Is this the right thing? And you know, if I'm if I'm watching her over the weekend and she's getting super fussy and she wants to watch Little Baby Bum Bum on Netflix, am I a bad dad for watch, watching it with her for 30 minutes? For real, like, these are all things right. where I'm like, am I doing all right? Is, yeah. is this blah, blah, blah? There's this baby that's, like, four doors down that can speak four languages. I'm not joking. <laughs> Could speak, like, Mandarin, Cantonese, English, French. I'm like, you know, so it's all of that stuff. You know what I mean? Am I doing enough for her? Sometimes when I see, like, the way she'll want to cling to Bina versus me, mm-hmm. Oh, Olympia is Serena's shadow. Like, our daughter, and it it eats at you a little bit, doesn't it? It it fucks with my head, man. And and maybe I'm just here justifying myself, too. If she's crying in the crib at night, this this happened two days ago. She was crying in the crib. She was like, mama. Right, and we have this rule of like, all right, she might have a night. It might be a nightmare. It might be something like, she might put herself back to sleep. Mm. But if if it goes on for too long, all right, one of us will come in and kind of tap. Mm -hmm. So I come in for the tap. And she just straight up Dikembe Mutombo'd my hand and was like, mama, mama, you know, and just like let out this, this like visceral howl, like mama. And I'm like, it killed me, dude. But it, it's, it will turn. I, I, there's going to come a time when I think, this is, this is me also justifying to myself, there'll come a time when she's going to be like, you're going to be the center Please of your universe. Me this is true, man. And I think I'm only a few months ahead. Are you being, are you it has not happened yet. And uh-huh. this might be wishful thinking. You're just being overly optimistic, dude. You don't know. How do you know? I think there is. When you're like Olympia intention. is her shadow, that scares me. Because Bina's like yeah. that with our daughter. But I think, I think the intention matters so much. And look, I also don't have, I've got a couple months of extra wisdom than you. Not much, right? So I'm not coming from a real place of authority. Yeah. And I think just the fact that, that you and I are worrying about it yeah. is already almost enough. And I also know my wife and I both, and I suspect your wife and you, we have access to so much more than our parents did growing up. And so now it's like, there's actually this weird, there's this weird scenario where now it's like, okay, I don't want to screw this up for like the last reasons that my folks might have envisioned, which is like, we can provide our children with too much. And it is, it's a different toolkit than, than what either of us had from our parents growing up. Yeah. Um, and so it, I don't even know how to calibrate that. 
When you figure it out, let me know. Because I like, I think the 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 intent though is where it all starts. And what's what's amazing to me about your story is I know, as I understand, your dad was was raising you solo for a minute there. Yeah. Mm -hmm. How how was that experience for you for him? Yeah, it's one of those things where you know my story is very similar to a lot of. Um, immigrant families that came to the States, mm -hmm. especially given everything that happens with the immigration process. Yes. Different people it's come over at so different broken. times. Yeah, yeah, so, you know, my story is very similar to a lot of other stories. You, you don't think of it as something weird or whatever until you're much older and you go, oh, that's, that's actually kind of, oh, a lot of kids at school did not have that situation. And mm -hmm. it, it, it took time for me to understand, okay, this was a little bit different, right. but I'll tell you this, it made me value family a ton as like an anchor, mm -hmm. the fact that you can have like a, a nucleus family of four, mom, dad, brother, sister, or yeah. just that idea, yeah. man, it made it one of those things where it was the most precious, most rare Air Jordan you could ever have in your life. That it's was like, the grail. Yeah, it's, yeah, it is the grail. Yeah. And it made me realize I'm, there's things that I think about all the time that I'm super lucky. I'm lucky that my parents are still alive, that they got to see me make it in Facts. comedy. Yeah. Like that's the thing people don't talk about. And I, I have friends that did make it and they're like, you know, my father passed away at this point or my mother, I wish my mom or my dad could have seen it. So I'm very lucky that those things happen. And I, I have all these memories that I can't tell you that are priceless. Seeing my parents hold my daughter for the first time. Feels good, right? I felt so lucky. Mm. Like I just felt lucky to be in that room to witness that moment mm -hmm. where I was like, how lucky am I? I have a healthy daughter. <sighs> I have two parents that are alive. And they're holding her right now in front of me and my wife. Yeah. I'm thinking about all these bullets that I just, I just lucked out. That's not because I worked hard. It's like yeah. I was lucky enough to have two parents. Mm -hmm. Lucky enough to have a healthy daughter. Mm -hmm. Lucky enough to have marriage. It's all luck, you know, and I'm very just grateful for that. And that's one of those things where I was like, I just ne would never want to lose. Well, and, and to understand in that moment, especially for your folks, knowing the sacrifices they made, yeah. never being able to really empathize with yeah. that because like we were you know, lucky enough to be here and have no concept of that kind yes. of sacrifice. Yeah. Um, it's, it's amazing to think all of the little decisions that add up to that moment yeah. that had to happen. I, I think this is one of the things too that, like I have a, I have a very weird perspective on this because- But I'm bummed. I don't know if my, my daughter will think of it that way. Well, so this is what I was getting. So how do you help instill her with that? I don't know. Dude, I don't know. That's my biggest fear. Mm. There's this thing of like perspective through personal experience mm. helps you contextualize a lot of things in the world. And what I mean by that is that you're also a child of immigrants, right? Yeah. But you witnessing that, mm -hmm. the not having to having and all of that mm -hmm. is such a, you don't realize those things either break people or they become this unquenchable fire for the rest of your life. It's a superpower. Yeah. For it, sure. It really is a superpower. Yeah. And it's one of those things where I didn't realize it, but like it kind of has made me fearless where I just don't mm -hmm. care because I've known what other pains feel like that you, you can't really control. Yeah. You know what I mean? And yeah. so like an industry note won't affect me, mm -hmm. you know, the way some of the other things that, you know, would have affected me when I was younger. Does that make sense? Oh, for sure. No, and, and you you hit on this. In fact, the reason I knew, the reason I knew you were going to be a star was not the White House Correspondents. Dinner. That was like, okay, clearly a, yeah. a, like a seminal moment. Uh -huh. It was um, Homecoming King. Oh, got it. Yeah, and yeah. it was it was not just for the the 
comedy. Yeah. Whoever let the the direction of the storytelling, yeah, yeah. like the, the camera, the, and, yeah. like you were telling something with a medium that I thought I had seen a million times before in yeah. a special yeah. so differently. Yeah. And then the story you were bringing, sometimes very emotional, yeah. to the whole thing just made me feel like, oh, this is, there is a there there uh-huh. that I can see an appetite for uh-huh. that has not been fed. And I think that's what comedy can do so well and it can, it can disarm and it can, it can allow people to feel empathy in places where they shouldn't necessarily. Yeah. And then... How do you how how to do it in your own home? How to inject that in your kids uh-huh. is is another angle to it because you don't okay I I at least I don't want my child to feel pain. I think that is a natural feeling, right. um, but so much of that growth you're talking about comes from that pain. How do you reconcile that? How do you, how do you help that growth but without inf- like inflicting or having them necessarily feel that pain? Yeah. The biggest thing that I, I've had to understand or that the key that unlocked everything for me is that the best things in life are the things that you cannot buy. Mm-hmm. It's the things that you've earned. That to me has been the, the biggest breakthrough. Yeah. Like it's the challenge of trying to better and perfect yourself on that quest to get what you want. Mm-hmm. And that's something that's bigger than even getting the things that I wish I wanted as a kid. Oh, I wish I got that jacket. I wish I got those shoes. I wish I got had that watch. I wish I had that car that that one dude at my high school drove. And yeah. it was the there's these there's these certain inflection points in my life. Mm-hmm. Homecoming King was one of them. Yeah. Can I do a special this way? To me, like the thing that I'm proudest of the most was that I just pulled it off. Mm-hmm. I didn't know how it was going to be received. Mm-hmm. Just that idea. All right, we're going to do it. It's going to be a storytelling show. I'm not going to have a microphone. There's going to be no mic stand. There's going to be all these screens. I'm going to be going in and out of multimedia. There's going to be parts where I just break the fourth wall. I look directly at camera. Like All of those things where I just felt like I want to do it this way. Can I do it? There was a lot of sort of pushback. People some gave notes. I don't mm-hmm. think this is a good idea. I don't know how that's going to translate. The camera's this close to your face. It's a little too intense. There's all these choices where I'm like, I got to push this creative bill through Congress. Mm. And that's what I'm proudest of, mm. that idea. Like, I remember it was everything that came before May 23rd, 2017. That's the day it came out. But everything that came before that, to me, is the most defining thing. Mm. Same with Correspondence Center. Yeah. It, it was like, um, I just remember when it finished, you don't know it's being live streamed. So I don't know what the rest of the world is saying. I just know what's happening in the Hilton Ballroom in Washington, D.C. It's a weird crowd. Which is a very weird room. So you just finish and it's just like you just performed at a bar mitzvah like it's you know you've been you've been to these hotel ballrooms it's like you i just did 20 minutes in front of a you know and you know in front of really lukewarm cold salmon and people were eating and that's that so the proudest thing that I, i the thing i was most proud of irrespective of the way people received it was man you're doing it i remember like even while i was minute 16 or 17 i'm like you're doing it man you're actually doing it you're doing it and you're going to complete this thing and then when I completed it, I was just glad that I went through with everything that I wanted to do and say. Mm-hmm. And how do you instill that is such a intangible. I can't give it to you the way I can, the way I can give my daughter a bottle of milk or the way I can give her this, the book, this book that she wants mm-hmm. from the bookstore. How do I give that to somebody? I don't even know how to gift it to someone. There's people that I love that I, like, I try to help, but you can't. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, oh, for sure. Like, how do you give this gift that you have, your ability to understand all these different types of businesses, and how do you, how would you even do that? I the, the, the only part I've, I've manifested in my brain is I want, I want to be able to take her, 
She's obviously not at an age where this is appropriate yet. But I want her to, to where, where appropriate, um, have a seat at that table and, and be a part of and privy to the things that I'm thinking about, the entrepreneurs that I'm meeting, yeah. like as early as possible, wow. just to see there's not enough women attack, there's not enough women of color attack. Like all this stuff yeah. is very well known about our industry. But just for her to see and have exposure to what I do, yeah. um, because I remember going to my parents' jobs like once. Uh, I went visit him. Saw my dad uh, at his work. I saw my mom at her work. What your dad do? Uh, he, he, he was a travel agent, right. and miraculously still has uh, a little travel agency in Western Maryland. And it's him and one employee. And then my mother was a she was a bunch of different gigs, waitress stuff to, here and there, and then uh, got a gig as a pharmacy technician. Yeah. And I remember going to their, their, their jobs once. Where's your family from? And oh yes, yeah, so the story. Yeah. So. Uh, dad's generation, dad's side immigrated a few generations back um, from Armenia, and then wow. my mom immigrated from Germany when she was in her early twenties. And I say I have a unique story because did I, your dad's side come over as refugees? Yeah, for, yeah, via Syria. So they were they were yeah. uh, war refugees that the United States generously took in, yeah. and uh, fleeing the Armenian genocide. That story, that story is crazy. But I have an interesting perspective on it because yeah, my. One of my earliest memories from childhood was my great aunt Vera pulling me aside on my birthday. So my birthday, coincidentally, is the commemoration day of the Armenian Genocide, April 24th. Wow. So and I was like five, six, I don't remember. But she pulled me aside and she was like, happy birthday. You really need to make sure that you make the most out of this life. And then went on to tell me our family story and how they survived. And I was like, okay, uh, as a child, this is a really, in hindsight, I mean, this is a really heavy thing to yeah, tell a little yeah, kid. Yeah, yeah. But shaped and colored my entire view on, on the responsibility I have to all of them. Oh, distinctively. And, and Aunt Vera has, has since passed, but that is easily one of my most vivid memories from childhood. Yeah. Um, but it was a very formative one because it made me realize, all right, I have this tremendous responsibility for all the sacrifice. Yeah. But it was a few generations back. And so she was talking about her father's parents um, who, who were killed. But my mom immigrated in her 20s for love. She was at an au pair, and she was coming from Germany, uh-huh. a wonderful country. And she, was, she moved here in the 80s, met my dad, was an au pair, and, and decided she wanted to stay because she was really into him, wow. which is cool. She overstayed her visa by about three years. That's crazy. So she was an undocumented immigrant, and thankfully there was no ice in the 80s, yeah. or else she would have been picked up in their little apartment in Brooklyn totally. and deported. And so it is a weird perception because... Her story colored mine, and it's not one of, like, survival. It was one just purely out of love. Um, but it was absolutely breaking the law in order to do so. Totally. And and the moment, though, that hit home for me that I wish I could get every person who fears or hates immigration to see was her swearing-in ceremony when she finally did decide to get her citizenship. She had a green card for a minute. And you will not find a room of more proud Americans yeah, totally. than a swearing-in ceremony. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and it's a bonkers thing because I still have... I, I know how lucky, similarly, I was to have this life lottery ticket. Yeah, I remember my mom studying for the citizenship test. Dude, my mom failed it the first time. Yeah. And she got so nervous in the oral interview that she couldn't answer any of the questions and she was so heartbroken. You, you must see, though... I don't need to tell you this, right? It's a difficult time... I'm sure, to be Muslim in America. How are you navigating this, especially as a father now? Like, you know, at the end of the day, I saw the way that people would treat my mom, who had an accent, but was a a white lady from Germany, right? And I still saw the way they treated her. And I'm like, 
she's not stupid. Why are you condescending to my mom? Yeah. And so I can only imagine what so many others have to go through. Yeah. And so how do you think about the America? I mean, you're doing some good work here to try to change things. Yeah. But how do you think about this America that she's growing up in? It's interesting, man. Like, I consider myself to be even everything considered an optimist because I just think nihilism is just not a good mindset. Yeah. Just kind of philosophically, it doesn't render you sustainable. Yeah, it doesn't render you with you with a ton of options. I I actually think, man, like she's gonna live in a time. I really just believe this. I don't know why. I don't know where this faith comes from, but I just think that she's gonna be able to navigate it even better than me. Mm. There's gonna be things that she won't be ashamed of, that she won't hide. That Mm. I think that she's gonna be able to navigate it and take it to a place I've never even imagined. I don't know why I feel that way. I just like believe it. I don't know. I have no idea why. Well, it's it's interesting you. You know, you talked about growing up coveting a lot of these items of culture with sneakers and everything else, yeah, right? Totally. Just like that stuff that made you look cool or stuff that people would be like, you you've made it, yeah. And 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 this was, you know, an American culture that we both you were about the same age, right? Yeah, yeah. I'm, both, I'm 34. Yeah. yeah. Oh jeez, I'm old. Okay. How old are you? Uh, 36. It's not old. What do you dude, we're the same oh, age. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you feel young or old? Until I look at all my gray hairs, young. I feel the same way. I feel like it's I still only feel just begin. young on the inside for sure. But when I was with those kids on stage today, they were like, "You guys are old." Yeah, they they yeah. that kids yeah. are good for that. Yeah. Very humbling. <laughs> there there were things that we grew up that we coveted about American culture that we wanted and and were influenced by. But you realize you are now one of those. You are a culture creator. It's weird. I'm you know what, but I don't. It still has not kind of set in for me. You know, I kind of only became quote unquote known like 2016, 2017, right around that time it started. So, you know, like I got to like my early 30s and I still kind of wasn't quote unquote yeah. famous, which is which is good. Yeah. 18 to 30, these like very definitive times, like mm-hmm. your late teens all the way through your 20s. So, yeah, it's weird seeing that now when people come up to me and they're like, oh, pe- people know who you are. It's a thing that doesn't register to me. Because... Because that is probably a good thing. Way, way more of my life and also way more of my creative life was not being known. Mm-hmm. You know, that 12, gave you more freedom, didn't it? Totally. And it also gave you just like, I've, I've been able to navigate uh, show business in a way where I'm like, if there's stuff that I'm comfortable with, cool. If I'm, if I'm not comfortable with it, trust me, I'll be all right. Yeah. Like I know what not having it feels like. Yep. I'll be okay. Yep. You know what I mean? Whereas if had it happened when I was 13 or 14 or even like in my early 20s, somebody could have told me, hey, I'm going to take this opportunity away from you. If you don't have it, guess what, kid? Your, 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 your career's over. Yeah. And I would honestly be like, really, Mr. Showbiz? It's going to be over? Like nobody can sun me like that because I've spent so much time not being famous. And I'm like, I know what an air mattress is like. And I know how much milk is. And I know how much, you know, fruit at Safeway is. I'll figure it out. I can put together PB, PB&J and banana sandwich and da-da-da-da-da and yeah. get whey protein from the CVS pharmacy over here. And like, I'll put my little budget together. I'll be okay. I'll be okay. The game is different, a little bit different now because it's about, you know, supporting my wife and my daughter and those other, and putting that just infrastructure in place. That's my biggest fear, just infrastructure. I tell people I understand Game of Thrones better now because, I mean, I don't advocate for all the murder, but like I do understand what it takes to, I, I understand that feeling of wanting to protect your house at all costs, uh-huh. so to speak. Uh-huh. And, and I just, um, I feel like that part, if it is right, the rest will get figured out. Yeah. And, and as long as the house is right and secure and I like that, then, then everything else will kind of sort itself. 
It is awesome to be here. I have one last and probably most important question. Okay. Do you think you want a, a future in comedy or the entertainment industry yeah. for your child or maybe children? Absolutely or, not. Absolutely not. No, man. It's not. <laughs> it's been, it, it is, it has been good to you. Yes. But I'm sure it sounds like it's also so been from very a hard. Deep, from like a deeply kind of philosophical or spiritual position, when I ask myself, why are you doing this? Mm-hmm. And a lot of the stuff that got me on stage came from a place of like feeling ignored, feeling bullied, mm-hmm. feeling a sense of power from that. But that's not a normal thing to want to get on stage and get validation from strangers. Mm. So, there's something... It's very self-aware of you. Yeah, that's that's not good. Yeah, Yeah, it's true. If you want to create just for creation's sake, that's great. Like, if you just want to perform, then there's people in Washington Square Park with the microphone and the thing, like, doing it. Come on, Hassan, be real. You want to wear a leather jacket and sneakers, and you want to stand in front of these LEDs, and you like hearing the claps and the laughs, and you really, you get stressed when you don't get the laughs. And why is that? You are seeking validation from others. And so that's a thing that, like, I would never wish upon Someone that I really gift love. Gift and the curse. Yeah. But it's, yeah, it is a gift. It's one of those things that's given me an incredible amount of purpose. It's one of those yeah. things that's made me feel like powerful and strong. And like it may, it's made me feel like I'm somebody. Figuring this craft out has, yeah. has given me a purpose in life, you know? So that is a beautiful thing. But the bad side of it, no, I wouldn't. See, I'll, I'll tell you this, right? Say you're Chris Rock's son or daughter or Dave Chappelle's son or daughter. Or this person has this gift. But how do you scale it? I talk about my sister Aisha all the time, and people think I'm joking when I'm like, she's the she's the real all star of yeah. the of the of the fam. Mm-hmm. But they're like, you mean your sister who's an attorney? And I go, no, 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 she's an in house attorney at Google, and da 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 da. Like I go, but Aisha's like the work ethic, the path that she took. It's a scalable, replicable thing. Mm-hmm. You can do it at scale. I don't know how to teach. My story's kind of crazy and weird, and it's kind of an, an anomaly. That to me is the thing of like, I go, I, that's not super scalable yeah you know what you've done the 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 tenets of building a business entrepreneurial skill set you can plug it into a bunch of different things do you know what i mean i really do believe this alexis like like whether you were running like the dunkin donuts here on 57th and 10th Mm -hmm. like your ability to be like oh we can make this bigger and better big big fan of dunkin Donuts, or reddit or whatever you can be like yeah this is the way we can make this you can apply those same principles to that Oh, you're making me feel really good about yeah. myself, Austin. All right, yeah. good. Yeah. But I would say I would be concerned if like, if it was like, if sports, sports is such a unique gift. Yeah. I, every single athlete I talk to about it says the same thing, which is only if they really, 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 really want to. Your, your perspective on it doesn't surprise me too much. And I, frankly, in awe of your self-awareness on it, because I think there's a lot of folks in the industry, in entertainment in particular, who just don't see that no man this this thing will drive you crazy i don't and i don't want it i don't want it to drive me crazy you know what i mean well dude it's been a pleasure for sure man this was beautiful Ah. thanks for doing this man this is so cool thank you business data is brought to you by initialized initialized helps founders build startups and avoid the thousands of landmines that can cause failure visit initialized.com to find out more